This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. of Rahab, it echoes throughout the scriptures time and time again as the model of what authentic, true faith looks like. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 says that Rahab is one of the greatest examples of faith in the biblical narrative. James puts Rahab in the same category as Abraham in James 2 and looks at both of them as the models of faith within the the Jewish um, literature. And in Matthew chapter 1, that chapter that you skip at the start of Matthew with the whole list of names that you're kind of like, I don't know what really is going on here. Jesus' genealogy, his family tree, who would pop up? Rahab. She finds herself named in this list of Jesus' family tree. And whether it's a family tree of biology and of actual descent or a family tree of faith, the point is clear that the writer of Matthew wants us to know. Jesus walks in the footsteps of Rahab. She is not a skeleton in the closet, part of his family that you don't talk about, that you hide, that you ignore. But Rahab is to be celebrated and worn like a badge of honour that Jesus would say, yeah, she's one of my ancestors. I walk in her footsteps. I take on her faith. I begin to embody who she is and the way she lived her life. This is all kind of odd. This is not what the model of faith is meant to look like. This is prickly and uncomfortable. There's thistles everywhere in this story that does not make Rahab a great model for faith. A foreigner, an idol worshiper, prostitute, liar, deceiver, everything is wrong. And so some people look at Rahab's story and say, well, it doesn't stack up. There must be some pieces missing. So, you know, men of God, they wouldn't go to the house of a prostitute as spies. They wouldn't do that. That, would be, that wouldn't be something that they'd get involved with. So, pro, so Rahab mustn't be a prostitute. She must have left that. And now she's a clean-skinned, wonderful woman with nothing to worry about. And then they look at other parts of her life and they try and clean the narrative up because this story is so uncomfortable. But the truth is, Rahab's story is never undone at any point in the Scriptures. We aren't told that she's an ex-prostitute. We aren't given any excuse for the lies and deception. Her story is never cleaned up. We are not told that she becomes a model citizen in the nation of Israel that she lives amongst for the rest of her life. A a great example of, of faith. We're not told that she goes from darkness to light, that she has some kind of transformation and reckoning in her life. For all we know, she maybe continues on with some shady, questionable behavior amongst the people of Israel. Whenever Rahab is named again and again in the Scriptures as a model of faith, she is named for all of her characteristics, for all who she is. Her story is not to be smoothed out, cleaned up, the thorns taken out of it so that it would be more palatable and easy and and smooth for us when when we read it. But her story is to be understood and read as a whole. She is a model of faith 
all included. Even with the thistles and the prickly parts that are hard to reconcile and that are complex, her story is difficult. And it's a story of grace and faith. It's a story of the grace of God and faith. And so rather than trying to unpick the thistles and the prickly bits and the hard things to understand from Rahab's story to make it more palatable, we need to let this story prick us, poke us, hurt us and wake us up so that we notice the actual truths at play underneath this story, the realities of true grace and authentic faith that are on offer through this story of Rahab. The story calls us to look again, to ask questions of ourselves, of our society, of our world, to look at what it is that God may be doing in the midst of it all. And to realise that there's potential tragedy in this story. There's tragedy hanging over this story, hanging over this story whenever it is named throughout the Scriptures with all of the thistles included. Because it is easy to hear everything that I've said and, and, just, and respond and say, all right, I'm, I'm happy to accept Rahab as she is. I'm happy to accept that as she is and to roll with that whenever I read about Rahab in the Scriptures. It's easy to accept the Rahab of the Scriptures while excluding the Rahab of our lives. The potential tragedy is that we might be a people that read this story, hear this story, understand this story and accept it, and yet at the very same time exclude the same Rahab that might walk into our lives in many and very different forms. The, 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 the times where things are prickly and difficult and somebody's hard to work with. Stories and situations that we don't really want to get a part of because it's uncomfortable, we don't like it, we don't want to be there. Conversations in society that are difficult and complex that we would rather just simplify and hold at a distance. We don't intentionally want to exclude someone. We wouldn't think that we're excluding a Rahab that walks into our lives. But not wanting to embrace the prickliness keeping the difficult things of life at a distance. The potential tragedy of the story of Rahab is that we might accept her. And yet we might accept her in the Scriptures and then exclude her in our lives. For example, as a society, Australian society, each of us included, we incarcerate our Indigenous people at a rate something like 10 times more than non-Indigenous we know these stats. 3% of our population are Indigenous. 27% of our prison population are Indigenous. The numbers don't stack up. But what has happened for us as a society, we have looked at this problem and said, well, it's a criminal issue. And, and what do you want us to do? Turn a blind eye and ignore the poor behaviour of people? No, we have to have a justice system that deals with the criminal behaviour of people. And so if this is how it is, this is what we need to do. Because the conversation underlying it, the systemic issues underlying the poor behaviour are so complex, are so hard, are so difficult and confronting for us we would rather keep it at a distance than make it a criminal and a justice conversation. 
What's really hard is to embrace a systemic conversation around land and, and, and possession, around the destruction of community and culture and what happens in the aftermath for the generations to come. This conversation is hard. It's not easy for anyone. Hence, it's easier to keep it at a distance, to not step in and, and embrace it, to be a part of it and to feel the pinch and the thorn of some of what's happening in, 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 our, in our culture, in our nation today. And so we don't overtly want to exclude the Rahab in our lives, but it gets so hard that we get caught in this way. And so in our lives, whether it's society, individually, this is the potential tragedy. You know, this is why I think something like being a part of a group within a church setting is so powerful. Rather than just uh, surrounding myself with people who I'm friends with, who I like, who I get along with easily, but being a part of a group setting where I'm, I'm with people who are not my normal friends and not my normal circle. Being a part of a, a group setting where there's people from other cultures and, and other backgrounds and varying levels of faith experience, this forces me to think again, to ask questions of who I am. That's why I'm so passionate about being a part of a group, being a part of a, a group of others who share life together and journey through life together. The story of Rahab, it's a story of true grace and authentic faith. Grace opens the door. Grace opens the door to Rahab and grace opens the door to everyone. But authentic faith is what Rahab carries. Authentic faith is what is seen in Rahab. And authentic faith is what challenges and, and pricks at us and makes us ask questions and recalibrate the easily tread paths of our lives. And ask ourselves again and again and again, where is authentic faith breaking through in my life? We would do well not to dethorn the story of Rahab, but instead to let this story wake us up. To wake us up to the places where the Holy Spirit may be at work. To wake us up to the places where the, the Holy Spirit might be emerging and showing His presence and His ways among us. Where the Holy Spirit is revealing the kingdom at work in unexpected and in difficult places. We would do well not, not to dethorn this story, but to let it wake us up. Because it's a story of grace to all. And a story that explores authentic faith. Jesus tells a parable in, in Matthew 13, uh, exploring what it looks like to live in authentic faith, to practice, to be a part of authentic faith in, in our lives. It's the story of the parable of the seeds. And Jesus uses a story of a farmer scattering seed in a field to talk about what authentic faith looks like in life. He says there's four kinds of, of seed. The first seed falls on the path. And the crows quickly come in and scoop it up and eat it and take it away. And he says, this seed is like the faith of those that hear the word, that hear the truth, but nothing ever emerges. They've never really got the chance for it to, to grow. The, 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 the truth is revealed to them, but it's snatched away straight away. And nothing ever emerges of growth in their faith. The second seed falls among the rocks. And in the crevices and the cracks, it finds a little bit of soil in amongst the rocks. 
And immediately it springs to life. There's growth, there's vitality, there's, there's hope. But then inevitably when the sun comes out and the heat beats down on this plant among the rocks, it burns and it withers and it shrivels and it dies. Unable to have roots deep enough to, to survive the challenges of the heat of the day. And Jesus said this seed is like the seed of faith in those who hear the truth and immediately respond and, and grow and say, this is what I've been searching for. This is the answer to all of my problems. My life will be good now. And then when the inevitable challenges of life come, when the obstacles and difficulties and hardships that are always a part of life come, they begin to question and say, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I wanted of faith. My life was meant to be better, but all of a sudden it's hard and it's challenging. And Jesus says, you fall away and authentic faith is shown to wither under the heat of life. The third seed falls among the thorns. And Jesus said this, this seed grows, but it is constantly choked by the weeds. The thorns suck the nutrients out of its growth. And so it can never really get its head up above the thorns, but instead it is constantly stuck, constantly immature, constantly weak, because the thorns that it's planted among stunt its growth. And Jesus said this kind of faith is like the faith of those that, that hear and believe and respond and hold that faith. But the pursuits of life, the worries of life get in the way. The pursuit of money, the pursuit of success, the pursuit of status, chasing after the good life. These things are like weeds that stunt and choke the growth of this faith. And so it remains constantly immature and weak, never growing. And then the fourth seed, finally, Jesus said, falls amongst good soil. The weeds do not overtake it. It grows, it thrives, it flourishes. In fact, it's so strong that the weeds recede. Rather than the weeds taking the nutrients, it takes the nutrients from the weeds. So significant is its growth. And it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times greater than what was sown originally. And Jesus says, this is the seed of authentic faith. This is the seed which is willing to walk in my ways, which is willing to multiply, which is willing to grow in response to what I have given it. This is the parable of Jesus about what faith and authentic faith looks like. And so when we take the story of Rahab, we pluck it up out of Joshua 2, we drag it across and we say, all right, where does Rahab fit in this parable? becomes very clear that Rahab fits among the fourth seed. That the legacy of her faith returns a multitude of faith because of what she did. It becomes clear that she falls into the fourth category of authentic faith. She didn't burn in the sun. She didn't chase after other things. But when opportunity presented, she was willing to risk it all and faith emerged as a result. The kingdom of God continued. Things happened because of Rahab's faith. We find that she is shown not just within her story, but within Jesus' teaching and his parable and his life to be somebody of authentic faith. And so the story of Rahab, the parable of Jesus, they invite us in. They invite us to step into the thistles to ask the questions that are just beneath the surface. 
Where are you in these stories? Where are you? Where are you in the story of Rahab? Where are you in the parable of Jesus? They invite us to ask the difficult questions of ourselves. Where do we sit? And to notice what stirs and what happens for us as these stories unfold. Notice just for a second, there is no category in Jesus' parable that has anything to do with sin. Sin, as Jesus describes his parable, is not a barrier to authentic faith. Things that are barriers are thinking that Jesus is some kind of quid pro quo kind of God. I'll scratch his back, he'll scratch mine, I'll get a perfect life. Things that are barriers are pursuing money and fame and fortune, success, status, a good life. This is a great barrier, but not sin. Sin is not a barrier to authentic faith in Jesus' parable, and neither is it a barrier to authentic faith in Rahab. We can get so caught up on seeing and understanding and thinking of authentic faith through the lens of good morals and values and right living and all of that has value. But authentic faith asks something else of us. The model of authentic faith asks us to look deeper, to search deeper, to, to, to look further than just the behaviours on the outside of somebody's life. You know, Rahab on the surface for all intents and purposes, she is somebody who looks like she brings nothing to the table when it comes to faith. But the surface is deceiving because underneath it lies a woman of powerful faith. A woman who declares that God is God over all things, creator of all things. And she is willing to risk her life, to risk everything to respond to the opportunity of grace given to her. This is the definition of authentic faith. Are we willing to take a risk? Are we willing to risk it all in pursuit of the opportunities God places before us? To risk what we have, to risk what's safe, to risk what's secure in pursuit of the God of all creation, the God who holds our life in his hands. It's easy to turn our attention to quid pro quo kind of ideas about God, to ideas about uh, success and to justify it by saying, well, you know, I need money, so I have to do this. It's easy to hold people at a distance, but authentic faith challenges us. Authentic faith calls us to ask again and to look beneath the surface. And so we as followers of Jesus, we need to be a people who don't just look to what others can offer. As a church, we need to look not just to what people can offer us, what they bring to the table, not just their skills, their gifts, their attributes, not just whether I like them or whether I don't, and use that as the judgment as to whether they can add value to what I'm doing or, or we're doing corporately together. We need to be a people that look for authentic faith. We look for the signs of what God is doing under the surface. Because like I said, Rahab doesn't look like she's got it, but the surface is misleading. Underneath that prickly exterior is an authentic woman of powerful faith. 
We need to be a people that look carefully, that don't look for moral high ground, that don't look for all of the correct answers, but look for the subtle signs, for the seeds of authentic faith, which is growing and emerging in others. And to ask ourselves, where is authentic faith planted in me? Where are the places where I'm willing to risk it all? Friends, will you be someone who is willing to take this risk? Who is willing to to step out of what's safe and secure, what you know, and to have a go for God beyond what you've seen and understood and known this far? Will you boldly take this step? Will you risk for the sake of Jesus, walking in the footsteps of Jesus, who gave up his life, who risked everything for you? Walking in the footsteps of Rahab, who risked it all in pursuit of this God. For some of us, this is about stepping into the prickly and difficult relationships within our families or or friendship groups. Actually stepping in there and saying, you know what, I'm going to have a go. I'm going to see what happens. I know it's prickly, but I'm going to have a go. For some of us, it's about adjusting our career. We need to ask questions of ourselves again. Where am I heading? What am I doing? What's this stacking up towards? Or being willing to stand up, to speak up, to say something more than I've said before. Others us here, it's about volunteering, leading, supporting another, being a part of something outside of myself where I give some time to something that I know matters and is of value and is God-led in my life. Some of us need to just to stop talking about giving and just give. We've always planned to. I know it's a good idea. It's time to give to your church, to give to the, the pursuits and the passions of your life that matter, the, the things that you really care about, to actually restructure some things so that you can give and give first and live after that. And for others of us, It's a step of faith. It's a commitment of faith. Maybe it's time to be baptized. Maybe you've been sitting and waiting and wondering about baptism. All sorts of reasons holding you back. And this is the moment. Today is the time. This thought, this Rahab story prompts you, pushes you to baptism. For those of us here in the room, there's a bunch of towels on the platform on on either side of the room here. Online, there's a QR code that's going to come up on the screen. You can scan that, and when you take one of these towels, there's a QR code attached to the towel that you can scan. It will lead you through the first steps towards baptism. We've made a decision here as, as a church that we will clear the services over the weeks to come. We will do whatever we need to do to respond to however many baptisms come in the weeks, in the weeks and months to come. We will make it easy in every way possible for you to be baptised. Because whatever it is that's been holding you back, it's time to take that step of faith. It's time to risk it and to actually respond to the grace of God. To ask yourself the question, where is authentic faith emerging in my life? Because grace, grace opens the door. Grace opens the door to all. None are excluded. None are left out. None are outside of the possibility of love because of the overwhelming grace of God. And authentic faith responds. It takes the next step. Authentic faith places that seed of grace in the fertile soil and lets it thrive. 
Will you be somebody who practices the ways of authentic faith, who risks and risks all the time in your life? This is the simple step of responding to the grace of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here among us today. We just let the story of Rahab, the prickly, difficult story of Rahab sit with us. We just want to feel the uncomfortable aspects of this story today, Lord. Because it is so easy to try and whitewash it, to smooth it out, to turn past it. And it is maybe even easier to let the person Rahab of our lives walk past, to ignore them, to step away from the prickliness that surrounds them or the situation or the narrative. God, may we be a people that are not like that. Jesus, may you humble us and soften us. Lord, may we be a people that are willing to embrace whatever is prickly. Jesus, just how like you embrace us and all of our sharpness and rough edges. Lord, give us the humility, give us the willingness to step into this story, to enable this story today to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we invite your voice to move among us right now. Holy Spirit, may you guide, may you point out, may you reveal who, what, the circumstance, the people group that we need to pay attention to. The tragedy would be for us to know this story, accept it, but to exclude the Rahab of our lives. So Father, in this special moment, as we together as one family open our hearts and our lives to your Holy Spirit, as we seek to receive from you like the disciples did on, on Pentecost that we read about in the book of Acts. May we receive power. May we receive wisdom. May we receive a soft and delicate heart. May we receive the eyes to see beneath the surface, beneath, behind what is difficult and pushes us away, but to see with eyes of faith what you are doing, what is emerging through you, God. May this be true for us in our lives. As we go to families and workplaces and other settings throughout this week, give us eyes, Lord God. Give us eyes to see where authentic faith is emerging, may be emerging, could emerge. Give us eyes as a church family to see what it is you're calling us to, God. And give us hearts that are soft. Give us a willingness to look within, to not deceive ourselves, to not deceive ourselves in the pursuit of, of anything else other than you, God. But may we be a people, may we be a church of great risk. Some of us need to be baptised. Some of us need to join a group. Some of us need to step into the practice of giving. Some of us need to adjust something in our work setting, in our family or in some other part of our lives. Lord, make us a bold people. Make us a people of great risk and a people of even greater faith. Pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. Friends, let's stand.